everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate, and I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of You're Not Alone with Townsend. Be sure to click the follow button and share these stories. You can also watch the interviews on our YouTube under Townsend T Music. You can also keep up with the journey if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Townsend T Music. Every like, follow, and share helps us continue to change lives. I am beyond honored to be partnering with Endure the Dirt. If you're from Arkansas, you've probably heard of this event, so go ahead and get your calendars out. This year it's going to be taking place on March 11th. That's a Saturday, so there's no excuse you shouldn't make it. So again, mark that down, March 11th. If you don't know what Endure the Dirt is, it's a 5K mud run that consists of obstacles that are basically to help healthy individuals understand what a cancer patient endures daily. This 5K takes place in Stuttgart, Arkansas at Max Prairie Wings. Now, there are going to be people there to help give you a boost and give you encouragement to conquer each task, just like a cancer patient will have their caregivers, family, and friends. They want you to understand what cancer patients have to endure when they go through rounds and rounds of treatments. The treatments can bring side effects that are incredibly undesirable. They can make you so sick, you can't do anything. So why do we pick March? Because of the weather. Cancer patients have to deal with extreme circumstances that are incredibly uncomfortable, and we want you to be uncomfortable, just like they are. We want to take this event and help you understand just a little bit of what they go through with this terrible disease. So the race again is going to be on March 11th, Stuttgart, Arkansas. Hop online. You can go to adventuresignup.com, snag your tickets, let them know that you're coming. Let's help raise money and awareness for cancer patients and treatment. For all details, make sure to go to personalpeprally.org. We'll see you there. What is up, everybody? I'm so excited for this episode of You're Not Alone with Tans, and we've got a super special guest on here. I have kept up with her on social media and her story. I had several people reach out saying, you should talk to this girl. And I reached out, and it's just been so cool keeping up with her. So her name is Ashley. Her social accounts are The Narc and Me, which is super interesting. Last year, I actually had a diagnosed narcissist. So we got that side of the story. So I'm super excited to hear the other side of coming through narcissistic abuse and surviving and what it looks like on the other side. So thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, and I'm going to just go ahead and hop in. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So who is Ashley? How would people maybe recognize you? Uh, the girl crying on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hadn't we all been there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, um, yeah, I I have no shame. Like I talk about really difficult stuff. I talk about domestic violence and abuse and manipulation. And, you know, I would be remiss if I painted that to be an easy picture. And there are days where it is a little overwhelming, even for me. Um, but I just go with it. <laughs> so yeah, my account name and podcast are called the narc and me, and it is not just stories of my narcissist and me. It's that double entendre of the narc could be your narcissist. And that might be your partner, your mother, your father, a coworker, and the me is the you in the factor. So yeah, we are 
really seeing this conversation grow online because narcissistic abuse is considered by most leading professionals to be the most severe form of domestic violence. And I, I couldn't be more honored that I get to be part of this big community as shitty, excuse me, if I'm allowed to say that on your show. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Okay, good. As shitty as it is, I I don't want to be a part of this community, but I'm grateful for the community. And I'm grateful that the community has the voice because when I met my ex-partner, who was also diagnosed as a narcissist while we were together, um, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I had to Google it when therapists said to me, you're being abused. You need to run. This is emotional suicide. I, I mean, I had no idea what any of this was. And so my hope is that by those of us who've been through it, who are talking about it, can potentially help someone else not to be down that path as far or as long as the rest of us content creators were. Wow. I love that so much. So if you listen, like I said, last year we did one completely on narcissism and it was so incredibly interesting. So he had been diagnosed with that. You've chatted with him on your socials before as well. So again, it's cool to see the other side of that. Now, I know this journey very personally. I as well grew up with somebody with narcissism um, and it is a very hard journey. And I love that it is getting the attention that it deserves because, you know, I've chatted with my family members and this is something that there wasn't a term for it. And so you kind of discussed this in, in a few things. So it's not necessarily, you know, sometimes obviously, but not necessarily physical abuse. And so emotional abuse and all of this toxicity and things are showing light and finally having a word to put with it, which is amazing. And so then all these new people are coming out and being like, oh, wait, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's my spouse, you know? So it's really cool to be able to get together. Like I said, as shitty as it is, we're able to like make a support system for these people going through this terrible stuff. Yeah. And if we don't identify it, then we can't look towards treatment modalities. And there is not an actual treatment modality for breaking trauma bond or for healing from narcissistic abuse at this time. However, the DSM-5, which are the nine traits that you have to have to qualify. So all of us have some narcissistic traits. Sure. We're humans. We're humans. And there's, you know, I hate to say healthy narcissism because Dr. Ramani, who's sort of the leading thinker in this space, says there's no such thing. But you know, just having that ability to be like, oh, I had a good hair day or like a healthy ego, right? Is different than we think of a narcissist as an egomaniac when that does apply, but there's actually nine traits and you have to have five of nine to be diagnosed. And they're actually working on an official diagnosis for the survivors, which is great because there are so many male survivors, but predominantly female. And unfortunately, in many, in the medical community, in many different areas, the treatments for women are not as highly researched and deployed as they are for male patients. You know, you look at, you know, even you look at Viagra's covered by insurance, not to get too taboo, but birth control is not. And so, you know, and, and not to get into any like political debates on that, but, but we definitely are seeing this awareness creating some sort of journey to better treatment modalities because breaking trauma bond, which is what you have when you come out of the abuse, they say medically is harder to break than a heroin addiction. Wow. Wow. That's wild to put. Yeah. I'm also blown away. So something that I've learned through, I did a lot of research before all of these interviews, but narcissism was one. I I read several books about it just to kind of learn more outside Mm -hmm. of my personal experience. And it talks about how 
getting that diagnosis is very difficult because they don't want to admit. They don't think they have it. They Well, it's not that they don't think they have it. They don't think anything is wrong with well, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the problem, right? not them. Always. You are always the problem. However, they are always the victim. Yes, right, right. So, so, so the fact that you said your partner was diagnosed is super interesting to me as well. It was because, you know, I pretty much said at one point, like, if we don't go to therapy, like, this isn't working, you know, and he would always say to me, you're a terrible communicator, which is ironic, because you know, if you watch my videos, I'm pretty, pretty clear on my thoughts. And I own a digital marketing agency and communicating information is my daily job and my entire team's job. So I never thought of myself as a poor communicator. And I wanted to go to therapy and there are plenty of narcissists who will go to therapy, but however, they, I think in a lot of cases feel like they can trick the therapist. They can manipulate the therapist. They're smarter than the therapist. And so they will gaslight the therapist. And that's why we always say that therapy with a narcissist is not a good idea because often the, the abused, the survivor is the one who ends up becoming the target because they gaslight the therapist. However, I ended up in a unique situation and the therapist that we went to see, the couples therapist, and I picked a man thinking it would make him more comfortable. Like I just randomly picked somebody that I read all the reviews and he had had personal experience, um, you know, that he was exposed to within his family dynamic and had decided to do more research and more certifications. And he spotted it right away amongst a couple of other things that I don't talk about as frequently, but I, I was one of the very lucky ones and he was able to pull me aside after six weeks and, and say, you're in danger. Wow. And I took him back. I still what? took him back. What? That's the, no. that's the, that's the whole power of love bombing and the trauma bond. And you're so confused and hearing those words are the most devastating moment ever. Like I said, I had to Google them Yeah. and everything checked the box. But when he came back, he loved on me and I, I loved him. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I say all the time, people who are in the relationship, it literally is the, the real light version of kryptonite wow. because they've broken down your sense of self for so long and your ability to trust your own judgment, trust your gut. You love them. They gaslight you. You think you're losing your mind and they become the person you trust the most. I had a licensed professional counselor come on and we discussed gaslighting. And so kind of yeah. tore that uh, definition apart and talked about how people gaslight. So I was going to say narcissists are known for their gaslighting and just the toxicity and making you feel like you're the one that's wrong, but they're the victim. Yeah. When I went to, I had a regular like annual checkup and I asked my doctor if he could refer me for an assessment for early onset Alzheimer's. I was 42. I was convinced I was losing my mind because he kept telling me every day, you're losing your mind, babe. Like, I didn't say that. You said that you're completely like forgetting everything. Wow. And I, he, you know, the problem is that your abuser is also the one who soothes you after the abuse. That's right. So you create this level of trust in them. And it sounds so bizarre, like a sane person, even me hearing myself say it now, you're like, how could you possibly believe all of this or be in it? But when you are in it and you love them and you trust them and you've been mentally and emotionally manipulated for so long, it 
I did a really cool interview with Cody Isabel on my podcast, who's a neuroscientist. And he talked about the changes in the brain, that there is actual brain damage caused by exposure to a narcissist. Wow. You can recover from it, but there are measurable reasons as to how and why we, we feel stuck and we stay in these relationships as nonsensical as it sounds after the fact. Absolutely. Mine kind of felt like I would tell people, it feels like I'm on the set of Jerry Springer. Like that's how wild it is. Like it just makes no sense. My craziest moment is we got into an argument in the car and I felt like everything I was saying was so unlike me. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And I was having a really, like, I was literally about to just lose it and break down. And I couldn't figure out why, why were we having this argument at all? Because there was no need for it. And why was it pulling comments out of me that I would say them? And then, you know, sometimes in your mind, you're like, I don't even mean that. What am I saying? Because I was literally being driven insane and we slowed down in traffic and I got out of the car. I just got out. It's better than pushing him out of a car, I guess. Yeah. Well, he was driving. I got out of like a moving (laughs) car and he asked me, he was like, what are we on the set of Jerry Springer? And I was, I just couldn't, I was losing it. And I knew that what I was losing was myself. Absolutely. So would you, let's define narcissism. I know we gave a ton of examples and kind of what it looks like. Do you have like an actual definition of it for people that are wondering what it even means? I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better, and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories, we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage. Not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right, so each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Music, and let's continue changing lives. Well, so narcissism is is a couple of different things, right? So narcissism is a spectrum. It is a personality disorder. It is a disorder where the person with, you know, we're talking about narcissistic personality disorder. So let's remember that narcissism is is a disorder that's a spectrum. There is little bits of narcissism that you and I and all our friends have all day long. And let's put that on the left side. Then on the right side of the spectrum, the most severe, you have narcissistic personality disorder. And then you move into NPD with borderline sociopath, borderline psychopath, pathological liar, where the borderlines start to seep in and you've got cluster B. And it look, think of it as like a stem with a fan, right? Or a flower at the end. Like the bottom is where we live in this like, yeah, we have narcissistic moments. But then at the base of the flowers, NPD, and then you've got all the other branches that come off of it. And so, you know, for me, my experience is with someone who is NPD and has a, you know, a, potentially a borderline um, was part of the diagnosis for me. So, you know, that that is, it's just a crazy making. And the hardest part is that the abuse happens behind closed doors. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of what... So most- like most frequently, here, the person who looks nuts is the survivor. 
Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The crazy part is they go out and they can, gosh, it's almost like they put it behind a curtain. They're usually very, um, they're very easy to talk to. They're very, like, you can get along with them well. They, yeah, and they, they have all these successful businesses or try to or make you feel like they do. And then yeah. all this is behind closed doors. So when you try to talk about it, it's like, no way, no way they would do that. I've met them. They're just so kind. Which is how and why we know it's intentional, the abuse, because if it was not intentional, it wouldn't be behind closed doors. We know that they're aware of the abuse and that it is intentional. And you're right. I mean, if you are interested in learning all the traits, I did an episode with Carrie McAvoy, who is a licensed therapist, and we broke down all of the nine traits, but you have to have five of nine to qualify. And most people think of narcissists as um, one of the traits is grandiosity. You know, we think of them as like the big boisterous over the top, like show off that, that grandiosity is one. But there are many other, and like you said, very charming and easy to talk to, that charm, that superficial charm that is the mask, this fake persona they create to mask their personal shame, where they kind of really rope us in about like how great they are, how charming they are. That's also one of the traits, the manipulation. There's a whole long list. And some people check off five of nine. And some of us had winners who checked off all nine of nine. Yeah, so 100%. Let's go. Wow. Yes. Right. Mine. So like I said, um, mine never got diagnosed. They actually, um, we'll put it this way. We'll make it vague, but it came down to you either go see a therapist or this is over. So they go see a therapist, come out just 20 minutes later. And you're like, okay, well, what happened? Well, the therapist said I was healed and it was your fault. That's how that turned out. So pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. Not even sure they actually walked in the door. They probably started up an argument. I'm, I'm assuming didn't even go in, honestly, but you'll never know. Who knows? Who knows? And it really doesn't matter. Exactly. But, right. But that is the case. And quite frequently you hear the like, I'm working on myself or I'm healed. It, it's always a way just to turn it around on you. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was you. So you were in this relationship. What made you realize that, man, this isn't a typical relationship and these traits aren't so healthy? You know, I, I saw the red flags throughout. I had that gut feeling throughout. And someone said recently about like gut feelings, like you're not, you're not deaf. You're just selective hearing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I knew, but I think, you know, I had my own, you know, emotional baggage about being in my 40s and starting over again. And we moved together from Los Angeles to Texas and I'd given up my house and my friends and my family and, and I loved him and I was trauma bonded and we went back and forth many times with things that would happen and then, you know, things would be better again and, you know, there's a lot of that personal stuff too, that you have to work through. A lot of people stay because they don't want to feel like a failure in a relationship or whatever the reason is. Um, and like I said, he had, he had left to figure out like, what did he want? Right? Like he had been saying he was going to marry me for years. He'd asked my dad years before, like he had basically taken off with family to go on a ski trip that I put my foot down and would not go, uh, over the holidays that year. And I said, I wasn't taking him back. And the therapist had called and had that conversation with me. And I decided I was, I was truly done. I'd packed everything, but then he loved bombed me. 
and said he wanted a baby and he wanted to get married and instinct took it took over and I took him back and then you know ultimately I think my story is not unique in that I didn't just like stand up for myself and push him away and say I'm done which is ironic because I am strong I am you know I've owned my own home for over 20 years I own my own business like I'm not a pushover and that is part of the reason why I wanted to speak up because I think we have this assumption societally that it's somebody who's weak right or doesn't stand up for themselves and that's not the face of a domestic violence survivor in every case yeah. um and so we were together for four more months until I couldn't get pregnant and I was discarded and then you know I also was so devastated I didn't go no contact right away which is what we of course always suggest for everybody for me it was back and forth texting ghosting all of that seeing me and then not talking to me and back and forth for about nine months until I was so broken. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And I got up the courage to go no contact. It was so dumb. He sent me an email of a video he found on TikTok of this cup that you put your dog's paws in to wash them. Yeah. And I exploded and sent him the craziest email about all of the abuse, the tactics, everything he'd done, how it made me feel. I called him an abuser. I like launched into him, which I do not recommend because most <laughs> abusers will snap back. He did a couple of oh. times. He replied a few times and then I, I didn't do any more, but that was the day I went no contact. And it was a year ago, just this past Christmas. Wow. So it's not been that long, huh? No, it's only been a year for me. He's been gone a year and a half, but you know, in, in the abuse community, we really consider it like he could have been gone 10 years, but the day it really starts is the day you go no contact. Right. Now the crazy thing. Yeah. The wild thing uh, with narcissists is when you cut it off and you say no contact, they have to be in control. And so you see a lot of times you cannot, it's almost like super glue, like, no, 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 no. Exactly. I didn't end this. And so it's not over until I say it's over. And well, even they if like they've moved on, yeah, even if they moved yeah. on, even if they've cheated, they want you back. They want to use you and all those things. So that's another thing that you have to think about being abused by a narcissist is you can't, even when it's over, it's not over. Well, you have to think about it as to a narcissist. We're not people, yeah. right? We're, we're objects. So you think of it as like a collection of toys. And like a kid, it's their favorite toy. You are like, they'll say you're like, he used to say to me all the time, you're my ride or die, babe. Like I get bored of everything. I don't get bored of you. And like, we were together all the time, except for when he was, you know, living with me and deciding to ghost me for a week and disappear and, you know, all the back and forth, but yeah. you're their favorite toy. And then when they're done with you, they put, they don't throw you away they put you in the toy box because they might want to pull you out later if they don't have anybody else to play with. Yeah. So they look at people as objects and ownership. And I've even heard crazy stories of people going no contact, moving on, getting married. And the narcissist doesn't believe it and thinks it's all a fake show because they still own you. You wow. must still love them. So wow. they are, they are delusional. They live in their own reality. And, and that's why it can be so tough in the abuse, because you either subscribe to their reality and continue to facilitate that reality, or you don't exist. And we're valuable to them as long as we can keep up that show with them. And when we start to figure out who they are, 
that's when they don't want you anymore. I mean, mine actually said the words, you don't look at me the same anymore. Imagine during the discharge. That. When he was leaving me, imagine that. Yeah, imagine Father. that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but no, you know what I, I will. Mean? I yeah, I think it's well deserved. Yeah, yeah. How could anybody look at them the same? So, but remember, in in the the head of a narcissist, they need everybody to look at them in that perfect way all the time because they there is a deep rooted sense of shame. And Brene Brown says it's the most shame driven of all of the disorders. So they need you to facilitate their ego and pump them up and make them feel great, make them look great. You're a reflection of them. So if you don't look a way they think you should, that's going to be a problem. So that's why it's a lose-lose. You cannot win in a relationship with a narcissist and it will eventually end, whether it's two years, two months, 30 years, eventually it will fall apart because you're not going to be valuable to them anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Even their children. So even with kids, they talk about how they use their kids as pawns, you know, and they can use the kids as pawns against the spouse because there's not really that emotional relationship. Now that doesn't mean they don't love their children, but it's not an emotional there's, there's, I'm trying to think of what the, the counselor said last time we spoke about this, but it was something like, they're not able to have that emotional connection a typically developing person would have. And so there's not that emotional connection. It's just a pawn. Like you said, you're one of my toys. I enjoy my toy, but if I got a new one, I got a new one. Right. I mean, a toy isn't very great when it's screaming and yelling and crying and demanding of your attention. That's not what they want. And, you know, and that's a controversial topic if they love their children. And I would challenge you, you know, it's painful because the other parent of course, loves them so deeply. But when someone doesn't have empathy and there's a lack of empathetic capacity, then how do you really love anything when you can't have any empathy for the pain that you cause? Yeah. You know, when I, the first video I did that kind of went nuts and I did not intend on sharing my story. I went on TikTok to learn the algorithm because I own a digital marketing agency. I didn't have anything to talk about. I was just starting my recovery journey. I was a disaster at that time. So I just started talking about it because I needed to put words to it. And I thought I would just delete it all and nobody was going to see it. And the first video, one of the first videos I did that just blew up was when I asked my therapist if he ever loved me. And she said, no, he just loved what you did for him. Oh. Wow. And that's the definition of a narcissist. As long as you're value to them, like valuable, they'll keep you around. And it's not limited to their partners. That's their friends, people that work for them. It is everyone in their life is transactional. That's it. Absolutely. So what, what has helped you and continues to help you heal and recover from this toxic relationship this messing with your head like figuring out who the heck Ashley is was and is gonna be well I'm standing at my desk because my computer's on my desk and I'm actually standing on my treadmill so (laughs) you know I I really have started um like I watched strut which is a documentary on Netflix about Jonah Hill's therapist. I'm in trauma therapy, of course. Other content creators talking to Cody Isabel, who's a neuroscientist. I'm really trying to embrace this, you know, bottom-up approach 
of trauma therapy. So top down is talk therapy and then all of the other things. So for me, I'm trying to embrace the other way. So I'm not preaching here, but I'm vegan. So I'm trying to be a little bit more mindful of my diet. I'm, I've got a walking pad under my desk. I, I've walked 7.5 miles today. Um, That's about seven more than me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, getting your body moving is you, you really underestimate it because when you first go through the trauma and then you go through the depression, and then I would be remiss if I don't say it, a lot of us get to the point of suicidal. You just want to cocoon. You want to be in a ball. You're not moving. And triggers and trauma are stored throughout the body. Cody Isabel had a great explanation for me because while during abuse, your brain can't take in more memories that are complex memories. So it starts storing it all in the body. And that's why you have all these triggers all the time because they're coming from everywhere. So I'm, I'm trying to listen to people who are smarter than me and take their advice. And one of those, one of those pieces of advice was to get moving. You know, I did a lot of yoga in the beginning meditation. I'm now walking, you know, 10 miles a day while I'm doing my work, trying to get outside, walk the dogs and marry that with all of the traditional therapy practices. And I also think being just a part of this community you know, it's been really helpful. And I've made some lasting relationships with other survivors. And it isn't like a pity party or a, you know, misery loves company. But the reality is, is that the challenges we face recovering from the things that we experience are very different from, you know, someone who doesn't understand. So having a community who gets it, I think has also been a big help for me in moving forward. We talked about that I actually did an interview yesterday with the lead singer of Sister Hazel, and we were talking about addiction and how when you talk to somebody and they're like, "Uh, just don't be anxious and you won't be anxious. Just don't be sad and you won't be depressed. And he's like, like, there are people like that. There are always going to be people like that, but those aren't your people. So find your community and people that understand and have either been through it or at least empathize with you and can listen and understand and want to understand. And I think people get so bent out of shape when people don't understand. And that's okay. Not everyone's always going to understand because they've not been through it. They can't empathize or sympathize. They like, um, if you haven't had a panic attack, it's hard to understand what it is. And so find people that understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And because of this kind of, of trauma, which I lovingly refer to as emotional warfare, yeah. is so calculated, so textbook. Their tactics are very similar, even though they're different people, the tactics are very similar, even down to the words they use. But so there is this commonality of experience and it can be very difficult to understand the results of the manipulation if you've never been exposed to it. But the interesting thing for me is, is, I'm glad you mentioned that I find a lot of commonality in recovery from emotional and mental abuse in that recovery process. I find a lot of commonality between that and AA in the recovery to addiction, because Lisa Sunny, who is kind of one of the leading content creators in Breaking Trauma Bond, refers to it as a love addiction because of back to that neuroscience of that there's a rewards devaluing system 
with a narcissist. They have you on this pedestal. They love you. You're amazing. You have this great life together. But then you, you do something where they realize you aren't the person they thought you were. And then they devalue you. And then it gets really awful. But they don't want you to leave yet. So then they love bomb you. And then they get gets back to devalue. And it's this circle. There's a great video where it's like whirling so fast and the person can't even figure out what's going on around them. And that's how it feels. But coming out of that, you've got all of these emotions and chemicals you live in fight or flight so your oxytocin like all of the different chemicals in your body are completely out of whack right because that, they've yeah. been fluctuating high and low high and low high and low and your body like an addict is chasing the high you're always chasing the good moments again because you know when they abuse you and it's at the worst that's okay because it's going to get better because the love bombing is going to come back yeah so they're they really good sometimes yeah, they turned you into an addict. Wow. You, you, you're always fighting for that good time to come back. Wow. So I do see a lot of similarities in the AA recovery and have some friends in recovery. And it's, it's funny how when you say like, like nobody understands, the friends of mine who understand better and more deeply and more compassionately than anyone else are the ones who are in recovery. Very interesting. Okay. That's super interesting. So people that are currently in this toxic relationship. So let's say they're listening to this and like, oh man, for sure I'm in that situation. What advice would you have for them? Run. I mean, if I were making light of it, I'd say fucking run. Um, but <laughs> I can't make light of it because sure. I've been in it. Yeah. And I've had that gut feeling that I should run, but yet I don't. And why am I not? But in all seriousness, I would say find a good trauma therapist, not with your abuser. Yeah, right, or right. A, right, not with your abuser alone or a coach. And there are so many of these trauma-informed coaches. Um, there's a group called the Narc Avengers, which I participate with them. And we're just a group of people who are posting content. And it really just came out of those of us needing support and helping each other to have the conversation. It's a silly name that won't last I love forever. It. I kind of love it though. Yeah, but there is a website and there's a bunch of really great coaches on there who can help you formulate an exit plan, Marvelous. you know, and that's really it because in a lot of cases, this abuse comes with financial abuse. They're being controlled financially and they yeah. say, I can't leave or I can't leave because we have children together. And I will say, I'm, I know I'm making a bold statement, but that is the exact reason to leave. Statistically, they say up to 80% of children become abusers or victims because they're exposed to this and it's normalized. Right. So they are your reason to leave, not the reason to stay. Ooh. And that's a really painful one. I know that's a terrible, like, I know it's tough to even say it is tough, yeah. um, but creating that exit plan. Yeah, man, everything you're saying is like giving me goosebumps. Like it's so right on and so just, Yes, exactly. And I think that's what kept like in my personal story, what kept it so long was it was a perfect family. Everything was great. Didn't want to break it apart. And when the foot was finally put down on, okay, this is over. That's when all hell broke loose. Cause it was like, oh yeah. no, I didn't tell anyone they could go anywhere. Um, and it was almost like we sat down and we're like, okay, we know what's coming. We've done the research and just hold on for dear life. And it was everything you have said. It was all the ugly you could imagine. It was every episode of Jerry Springer you could think of. We made it out. And I feel as though, kind of like you, I feel as though 
it's going to show its head from time to time, just to remind you that they still have power and they're still there. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to remember that for everybody that reaches out. So the kids are, are the reason to leave, not the reason reason. to stay. I love that. I, I did a podcast interviewing Lisa Sunny and we, you know, who is the expert in breaking trauma bond. And she said, you know, 50% of the time with a healthy parent who is teaching them empathetic, compassionate love is so much better than a hundred percent of the time in a home where they're seeing abuse. And she was so right, you know, was, and I know it's a tough decision and I don't have kids. I battled infertility with him and I know it's not fair for me to tell anyone how to parent because my children have four legs, but seeing it from the outside, (laughs) you know, and seeing so many parents go through this, it it is a brutal journey with a narcissist. And it eventually, unfortunately, in most cases, there is a discard anyways. So it's like, save yourself, save save those years for your child that you can't get back. Right. Yeah. And like we talked about, uh, even the kids can be used as pawns anyway against you. So you can, you can save that at least. Um, So I always like you, you mentioned Brene Brown, which I I love you more just because you mentioned that. I always tell like sometime during the interview, Brene Brown says something along the lines of we're not here to be right. We're here to get it right. And so everybody's story is their own story. So I know you keep saying I can't make light of it, or I don't have kids, so I can't really say. So for anybody listening, this is our personal experience, obviously not written in stone. Everybody's is a little bit different. Everybody's experience is a little bit different and unique. So take this as you will. Um, The point of these interviews is just to raise awareness. And so for people to listen and be like, oh my goodness, that's what that is, or oh my gosh, I'm not alone, all those things. So absolutely. Um, how about people that are trying to recover and heal? So they've ended this toxic relationship and they're in the same place you are months, a year out, and they're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. What would you recommend for them? Well, I think the first thing that most of us do is dive into education, right? Yeah. Because we're trying to figure out what happened to us. We're trying to unscramble our brains. And books like Out of the Fog are really helpful. And, you know, again, I'm in trauma therapy and I can't, I, I can't imagine getting through this on your own. I don't think that you could if you want to move on to a healthy relationship, because there's also some pretty staggering stats about people who necessarily haven't done the work in terms of healing and end up in the exact same relationship with someone else and repeat it over and over and over. No, I, no, I cannot imagine, but I do talk to people all day long who say, I just got out of a relationship with someone who was narcissistic and abusive. And this is my third relationship like that or fourth relationship like that. And bless them. Right. Cause it chips away at you and you're changed forever. Absolutely. Doing this again, but that's why I think it's so important to do the work and everybody kind of gets buried in the education of like, what just happened? What is narcissism and all, you know, what are sociopaths and psychopaths and cluster B and borderlines? And what is a pathological liar and all this stuff. And now that we're armed with this information, it's like, okay, well now you have to be careful not to get stuck. Right. Right. Because I will say the triggers create this sort of inevitable cycle of rumination that's so difficult to get out of. And I fight it too. We all fight it because 
you find yourself going down that memory lane. And the most insidious thing about the relationship is it's not all bad. Yeah. That's what keeps you coming back. You have to find ways to break that rumination. And that can be little things like, you know, changing temperature, like a cold glass of water or a hot tea or a walk. You know, you've got to find ways to quiet your mind. Meditation is great or blast music and jump up and down, like whatever it takes for you, you know, and I think learning to trust yourself. Yeah. Because I feel like that we would all be, get- I feel like trusting yourself is a huge one. So whether you do the work or don't do the work, could you imagine not doing the work and then trying to date again? All just, you know, you just question everything about yourself. You question your gut. You question everything about it. You question that person. So I feel like all the things that you're saying are so important. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough to trust anybody else after abuse. It's really hard. I mean, you start at questioning everyone. Your family. Absolutely. You trust no one. I mean, I found myself so insulated. I mean, I barely leave the house with working from home post COVID like everybody else. But I mean, I, I don't, I did not, I should say I do now, but I did not at the time trust anyone, including my own family. Yeah, and that's absolutely. because you can't. And so you have to learn to trust yourself first and to learn to make better choices and choices that, that fit for you because for so long you couldn't have a voice. So my therapist said to me, you have to start making choices. What do you want? So I, I knew the people I could trust in my small circle. And they would say, where do you want to have dinner? And I would say, wherever you want. And they would say, nope, you have to make choices. Okay. I like it. I hated it. I hated it. It was so hard for me. I couldn't even choose when he left me, he took all three cars. So I had three dogs and no car and I literally couldn't choose what car to get. I'm a grown adult whose dad was a car dealer. I've had so many cars and I was emotionally paralyzed and I bought the same car we had together because I couldn't make a choice. Now I'm surprised he didn't take the dogs just because you loved the dogs. Well, I had them first and I think he knew that, but he did make a play for them later. Oh, of course. To take them. No. Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. So does your... Does your partner continue to show up from time to time? I know you said that he was kind of like discarded you. You weren't worth it. And if so, or if not, how could people handle those moments? So my partner, I I don't see him. I mean, I've really insulated my life so that I can't, like I've blocked, I changed my phone number, blocked him everywhere. He did show up somewhere I was at and and definitely tried to get my attention. And there were people around me that were, not going to let that happen. Yeah. I wasn't going to let that happen. Um, he has a new supply, so he is yeah. quite busy. Um, and I, you know, I don't even know, it may not be my place to talk about this, but I have done some videos and a podcast recently because this is something a lot of people experienced, you know, we were together a long time and fought infertility and he was with the new supply just for a couple of months and she's already pregnant. And that does happen a lot because that is securing supply. That's securing Whoa. new supply they've lost old supply. So my, my friends and family have very, very well insulated me from seeing him. And unfortunately, of course, I hear those details once in a while, because it is inevitable, all of us are going to and sometimes they're really painful. My, my recommendation is, if somebody is going through the discard phase or is out of it, I mean, I can't stress 
no contact enough. Because like you said, they'll always continue to just see. They can just see if there's a crack in that door, crack in a window. I mean, I've heard of people Venmoing a dollar just so they can send a message. Yes. All the time. I hear it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Nuts. Crazy making. So, you know, literally blocking them everywhere. I have a six foot gate in front of my house. Like I don't even have a call pad. If I don't know you're coming, you can't get in, which you know, it's interesting for delivery is seeing guys throw bags of yes. dog food over their friends, yeah. right? But um, I know, and I know all of that sounds extreme, but if you have been a recipient of this type of abuse, you know that you will go to the ends of the world to create any form of peace in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I know a lot of narcissists kind of, we talked about this earlier, they kind of nudge into pathological liar and you know all those other diagnoses a lot of them yeah um and they can like the sociopath and things like that they kind of nudge into that um the one that I have experience with does even if you block so I have blocked everything completely but there's always a head somewhere somehow and it depends on who they get the most from so for me I very much am like I don't take shit and I never have. So I'm the bottom of the totem pole, but the people on the top that are still kind of like, I may, uh, uh," he will push that line as long as you let him. And even if you don't, they're going to continue to show up and just crazy that like, honest to goodness, dangerous many, many times. Um, Yeah. So just kind of curious. And they have flying monkeys. Yes. Their friends and family who will, you know, like other people around who will check in with you. Yes. Someone messaged me yesterday and she's like, is it weird? Like, I haven't heard from these people in ages and they just checked in with me. And I was like, it's not weird. Like, you know, what's going on. And, you know, at one point when he didn't have access to me, he texted my, one of my best friends and her husband and they don't hear from him and they don't talk to him. And they made it very clear that they were not okay with what happened because they saw a lot of it. Good. And they, they were like, sorry, we're on team Ashley. Like we're out. And, you know, for him to group text them, like about, he went to a psychic for past life reading and sent them these long texts. And, you know, they did exactly what he wanted. They just took screenshots, sent it to me and said, why is he sending this to us? And your blood pressure. Of course you go back to fight or flight, but you know, they'll, they'll use your friends to be the flying monkeys for them. They'll use their friends, their family. Like there, there is no bottom with a narcissist. They will do whatever they need to do to get to the place they want to be in. And that's why it's so dangerous to leave yourself open for contact because you can get roped back in. Oh, absolutely. Easily, easily. Okay. So knowing what you know now, Everything that you're aware of, all the research you've done, all the reading you've done, what do you wish you knew then? If you could go back and tell Ashley anything, what would it be other than run? Run? Yeah, other than that. (laughs) You know, I think it, you know, it sounds cliche. It's like we ignore the red flags because the, the empathetic, dreamy idea of love and having this magical person in your life that makes you feel a way you've never felt before is undeniable. You know, my therapist says all the time, like when you're in a relationship, 
the way yours was. And it felt like lightning in a bottle where he just felt like everything to you so early on. She's like, imagine the magnitude and the power of lightning in a bottle. It will destroy you. And that's what they will do. And so I wish that I had known that when you, you know, I met him in a very different way than most, you know, most meet, it's a fast relationship, like with the new supply, they lock them down, they tell them that you're their soulmate, they love you, they get you pregnant, whatever it is immediately. With me, we worked together. So it was a little bit of a longer haul until the day that we like that our working together was done. And we kind of, you know, things happened with us. I'll just leave it at that. And we were literally like an ad water couple after that. And so those knowing that those kinds of things, those moments of those butterflies, that those are actually your alarm system telling you that that's not right, that there's something wrong. We're taught to believe after, you know, our whole life of Disney movies and fairy tale books that those butterflies, like that excitement feeling we get, that that means there's a spark there, but that spark is actually a sign of danger you know, love is a slow burn, yeah. right? You get to know somebody, you fall in love with their quirks and the icks and all the stuff that you, that drives you nuts, but you can't live without. And with a narcissist, it's, it's a very different tra- trajectory. It's straight up, you know, and I, yeah, yeah, it is. And I wish I would have known, but I didn't. And I do now. And I know, I, I don't know if and when I'll ever date again, but I know what healthy is supposed to look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for you and everyone listening to know, and for me, I have to remind myself of this as well, because like we talked about, you totally, you have trouble trusting again. Cause for me, I know for a long time, I thought I can trust no one because everybody has at least a little bit of that in them. And then I got in the path of like, okay, statistics show you're going to get back with a person with that. So, you know, you fall back in the same routine. But for you and for everybody listening, not everybody is that way. Not everybody is that way. And you deserve so much more and you deserve the love. Even if it is a friendship, you don't have to be in a relationship per se, but you deserve so much more. And Ashley, I appreciate you so, so much sharing such vulnerability with the world and just how amazing your story is. Uh, one that is very hard to hear and to share. I I can only imagine. And I just thank you so, so much for sharing it with me and my listeners and heck, just hopping on here, uh, taking your time to do so. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you are making such a difference. And I hope that you know that. Thanks. Absolutely. Ashley, thank you so, so much for taking time. I know you were incredibly busy. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us for sharing your story. Okay, so here's the deal. When I have guests on my show, I'm just going to let you know, you signed up for a new friend. Okay, so I love to check on my people. I'm an Enneagram six, I'm loyal to a fault. So from now on, you're just you're just going to get checked on. So I hope that's okay. Friends for life, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity and sending all of your listeners lots of love. Absolutely. I hope you have a fantastic evening, and we will be in touch, okay? Sounds good. I look forward to it. Absolutely. All right. See you later, Ashley. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. 
They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co. Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood at Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you. I think we can all agree, getting your hair done should be a treat to yourself. Also know that it's hard to find a stylist you can trust to give you the style you want every single time. The Madhouse Beauty Lounge has a mission. They want to create a welcoming space for everyone. And they're professionally committed to making you feel confident and beautiful during every single visit. The coolest part is they offer all types of services. I'm talking advanced color treatments to on-trend cuts. My favorite part is that their products are all vegan. And they stay away from products like microplastic, mineral oils, parabens, silicones. In other words, they use the best and the safest ingredients for every client that they have. So I think it's time that you treat yourself to a new do from the Madhouse Beauty Lounge located at 708 2nd Street in Conway, Arkansas. If you go in, tell them that Townsend sent you. If you're interested in a more holistic approach to mental health, I have the perfect place for you. My friend Raisha Clark is a counselor and neurotherapist located in the Little Rock, Arkansas area. She focuses on holistic body work, so that means treating mental health through brain and body interventions. Their services include psychotherapy, neurofeedback, and lymphatic drainage. So what is neurofeedback? Basically, it encourages the brain to learn more effective ways to self-regulate and ultimately produce more healthful brainwave patterns, which leads to more helpful thinking and behavior patterns. Lymphatic drainage, this is cool. They use the Balancer Pro, which gently compresses your body. It helps drain and flush out swelling, eliminate toxins, lactic acid, and muscle soreness, all of which contribute to cognitive and physiological decline. So if this interests you, be sure to go visit my friend Raisha Clark or visit her website at the Collective 
Counseling.com. You won't regret it.